Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 81, A Lathered State. The boys and me were walking Harry to his North Scouts assembly in the gym of his school on a Saturday. And as we walked, I contemplated the ingenuity that had gone into my planning of fuck date two. This time around, I would just tell the wife I was at work, and instead, I would go meet Cammie at the Roundabout Inn with Parp's gold card, which he was going to hand me that afternoon when we met up at Starbucks. Simple. Clean. Fewer moving parts. The only complication would be if Junior called the bar and asked Arvo if she could talk to me. But that was never going to happen in this day and age of cell phones. In fact, I don't think Junior ever once called the landline at the Irish Tavern in the 10 years I'd been working there. I don't know when it started, but somewhere on that walk to North Scouts, I started thinking about the remark Parp made in the park two days before, when he just volunteered that Cammy wouldn't want to fuck him. Maybe it popped into my head because I started thinking about who else was fucking Cammie. She had a boyfriend, after all, and it really pissed me off when I thought about her that she wasn't into me enough to swear off other cock. Fuck it. What do I have to do to impress the twat? I know how it sounds. It's the main reason I'm in therapy after all these years. For some reason, I think I'm supposed to get all the cunt. I don't know how my parents made me this way, but I'm pretty sure it's their fault. And then, I let it get the better of me. Before long, I was in what my mom calls a state. A lathered state. I'll show Cammy whose cock is worth sucking. She didn't know I'd booked that modeling job from Majelco. I'd let her know that and... Parp, that fucker. How do I know she isn't talking to him every day? I thought. I met her on his shoot, for Christ's sake. Fuck it. It was like I was onto something. The sun slid into view from behind this cloud that looked like angry cotton and made me squint. Some sweet ass bounced by in running shoes and tight gear. Fuck, I could hammer that, I thought. Then I got miffed at myself for losing focus. I had Parp in my crosshairs, Parp and my innocent little sweetheart. They were up to no good. I mean, think about it. You don't get hired on a little indie shoot by some HR person. And Parp didn't raise enough money to hire casting agents and pay union crews. He must have called her up to hire her personally. Or maybe he had Roz, the assistant director, call her up on his behalf. And exactly what did Cammy do on Hat? She was just hanging around and now and then lugging something luggable. She's an actress and an artistic director, and she was Parp's grunt for the weekend? His part-time croutard? And all the time with both of them it was, I never really met Parp, and I hardly know the girl. My chump sense was tingling, hard. It could have been syphilis. 
I had been played so obviously that tourists would hunt me down on the street so they could laugh and point and take selfies. I was such a dumbass. Let me rephrase that. I was such a dumb bass. Part might not be slamming her now, but chances are he was bending her over and pounding her ass back in the Louisa Miller days. Why wouldn't he? And if he wasn't, then why were they pretending they didn't know each other? Pieces kept falling into place. Parp and Big Butt Belinda were so fucking close. I know she was blowing him on hat. He had these big fucking muscles. Why wouldn't she pull his ripcord? And she and Cammy were so fucking close. How could Parp have Belinda on his cock and barely know Cammy? Cammy probably got on her cell and told him all about the inaugural ball the night it happened, the little twat. I coughed a couple more times so the boys would be reminded their daddy only looked grim because he had a cold. <coughs> then we dropped Harry at the gym with all the other backpack-hefting North Scouters. We all said goodbye like he was being deployed to a war zone. Take some pictures, I said with this big grin. I gave him a hug. Pictures in the cloud, Sammy cried. Then one of the Scoutmasters blew a track whistle and all the little North Scouters assembled. And just like that, Harry was gone for the weekend. Then me and Sammy walked home. When we got there, he forgot all about my vitamin C and Alpha-Seltzer and ran to his room, and I flopped on the couch. Wait a minute, I'm thinking. I'm not in therapy for nothing. There's a point you get to after a few decades of being a grown-up with a professional head shrinker where you realize the only skill of any lasting value you've ever gotten from therapy is the one that makes you stop and think, are people really knifing me? Or am I just fucking nuts because, dude, there's a good chance you're just fucking nuts. Jessica taught me this technique to use in cases like this. I close my eyes and imagine a picture of the assholes currently plaguing me. A picture clipped from an old print magazine. The assholes are seated together in a diner and laughing about my skinny arms and idiosyncratic laugh. And then, and then I light the picture on fire and just watch it burn from the edges so I can live my life again. Sometimes that doesn't work. So I added a twist. Now it's a home movie of the assholes in a diner. They're laughing about how they're going to spend the day fucking each other behind my back. Then they are served. They take a bite. Immediately they begin choking and vomiting and screaming. That usually does the trick. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side. Copyright 2021 by Dan Wrench.